following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals during our spring Black Friday sale, like 19-ounce Bonnie vegetable and herb plants, four for $10. And pick up five bags of Scott's mulch in store only for just $10. Whatever's on your list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417 while supplies last. Not valid in Alaska or Hawaii. Scott's offer valid in store only. See store for details, U.S. only. You know, we put ourselves in the position, we're fortunate enough to, yeah, we're really young, but to surround ourselves with people that have scaled tremendous organizations and learn from other people's mistakes. We're very, like, hungry and eager to learn. We're not the kind of guys that are like, oh, well, I built this business, so this is only going my way. Like, that, that's, just not, that's not sort of the mentality we have. Welcome to the Forbes Under 30 Podcast. I'm Steve Goldblum, your host. On this show, we speak with young entrepreneurs and innovators. Today, I'm speaking with Yakir Gola via Skype. He is the co-founder of GoPuff, an online delivery convenience store that he started with his best friend and co-founder, Rafael Ilashayev. Yakir, it's, it's good to have you. Yeah, thanks for hosting me today. Uh, it's great to meet you. and Thanks for the time today. Of course. Now, for people who don't know, um, let's just get a, a run-of-the-mill uh, generic description of, of GoPuff. So GoPuff is a convenience store that delivers snacks, drinks, ice cream, and alcohol to your door in less than 30 minutes, 24-7 for only a $2 delivery fee. So imagine sitting at home it's cold outside. You want something from the convenience store. You just don't want to leave your house. Um, and GoPuff will deliver it to you for straight from our mobile app or our website. Uh, same price as a convenience store for only a $2 delivery charge. Um, and the interesting thing about our business is it's coming straight from the source. So we're a vertically integrated business where we have warehouses across the country. You're buying the inventory from us. We're not going anywhere to pick it up. So we're able to... Um, give you the same price as the convenience store for only a $2 delivery fee. So this is the big distinction between you and your competitors, I imagine. Like a Postmates goes to the store. They get in line. If you want the kohlrabi from Whole Foods, if they, if they need mm -hmm. the M&Ms or something, they've got to go in and get it for you and you have to wait and there's no guarantee that it's going to be under 30 minutes. Is that correct? It's exactly right. And the big difference there is also – we control our entire inventory. Because we corporately own all of our locations and we corporately own the entire experience, if you want to get a bag of Doritos, Cool Ranch, we know it's in stock because you're buying it from us. So a lot of times when you're dealing with other delivery services out there, the, the biggest pet peeve, me even as a user has when, when I order it sometimes, is you order something and you really want that product and you get the delivery, the, the driver calls you, hands you the bag, and it's something completely different. It's a right. different flavor, different flavor ice cream, different flavor bag of chips. So you're not actually getting what you ordered all the time. And then because they're, they have to go to so many different stores and there's so many different pickup pick points, the delivery time is very, very long. And they, the way they need to make their money is through the, the, the service fees and the delivery fees. So you know they're charging – or sometimes you're paying, you know, 20% more than the store plus a five or 10 delivery fee plus the, the amount of time it takes, 
while as opposed to GoPuff, it's a, the convenience right. store pricing. Um, it's very transparent. Um, and orders leave our warehouse an average of like three to four minutes. And we're like, we're set up for delivery. So our warehouses are delivery only. So we really focus on speed. You know, we, we're, we want to save everyone time in the day. That's why we created the service. That's why we started this business is to create more time for people. And breaking away for a moment to thank Amica Insurance and LifeLock for supporting the Forbes Under 30 podcast. More about these sponsors later in the show. What are the peak hours? So peak hours are from 9 p.m. until 1 in the morning. Um, so very much late night in terms of the peak hours. But um, a lot of deliveries are also coming in the afternoon, uh-huh. you know, around 5 or 6 o'clock. It's, it's really a 24-7 service, but the peak hours are definitely in, in the midnight, midnight time frame. You sell everything from ice cream to contraceptives. Exactly. Anything okay. from ice cream to contraceptives to laundry detergent to uh, Twix to your favorite, you know, flavor Gatorade. Really across the board, we have about 2,000 SKUs. All right, here we go. So listen, um, I am on GoPuff.com. I'm recording right now in a very fancy zip code, 90210. We're here in Beverly Hills, and I punched it in. I see everything here. Okay, I see you got drinks. You can't, can't, We're not allowed to swear here, are we, Laurel? No, frozen AF, cheap, cheap SHT, eats, and a lot of stuff. Now, but wait, you don't service – oh, no, GoPuff currently does not deliver to your area, not, but we will soon. Yeah, okay. unfortunately, we're not. We're not in Beverly Hills yet. Okay. Um, we will be expanding there soon. So we operate in 24 cities in the U.S., right. not yet in California. Not yet in California. And you started at – you're a Drexel – that's your alma mater, right? That's right. Okay, but you didn't finish at Drexel, right? I never finished. Uh, Raphael, my co-founder, finished. One of us had to, to make the sacrifice, you know? <laughs> that's right. But you have to make your parents proud. <laughs> I imagine – are you the first in your family to, to, to go to college? Yeah, yeah, I, I am. And so, are you Israeli? I'm Israeli, yep. Uh, both of my parents moved here about 25, 30 years ago from Israel. Um, had a big family, uh, but I was the first one to go to college. You know, I was always involved in, in family business before. You know, my dad started uh, electronics business when he came from Israel, and then he started a jewelry business. So always just sort of around the entrepreneurial spirit and you know, learned uh, what it's like to work in a family business and how you just have to do it yourself. You have to roll up your sleeves and no one's going to get it done for you. So a lot of people say, oh, this is a great idea. Or even today, people are like, oh, I had that idea before. Well, you know, you, you, ne- you never ended up executing on it. Right. That, that, that's right. really the hardest part is that the idea part is the easy, but actually going out and with no resources, because when we were in college, when we started the business, you know, no one gave us any money, not a single dollar. Well, tell me about your first encounter with Raphael because you guys were in like an intro business class, right, when you met? Yeah. So we met the first week of business school. Um, So both went to Drexel. The funny part is we both met at Drexel, but we were both about to go to school in Florida. Um, So we both like applied to University of Miami. We both got accepted. But last minute, we just decided not to without even knowing each other. And we ended up meeting at Drexel. Ended up, you know, being a funny story, and we became just good friends instantly. By sophomore year, became basically best friends in college right away. We just shared 
the same view of the world, same cultural background where his family also never been to college. His family also moved here from Russia, which is not Israel, but a lot of the, the values that we had Close growing enough. up were yeah. very similar. Um, so that, that's how we met. And then sophomore year, we became roommates and um, living in a house with six friends. I was the one with the car driving you know, all of our friends around. And uh, that's when we thought of the GoPuff idea. Now, what was your what was your parents' reaction? Imagine it's both it's it's bittersweet because they're both proud of you for inheriting the entrepreneurial spirit that made them so successful when they hit the ground running and and, and your father's store in in Brooklyn. But at the same time, they probably wanted you to get the degree. Yeah, it was very bittersweet. Um, and the the way I pitched it to them when I thought of the idea was. You know, I only have a year of school left and I'm going to finish school, you know, like I, you know, once they started seeing a lot of traction and once we really started getting, you know, tens of thousands of users, then it's it just, you know, more promising for them to be like, okay, I, I get why you're doing that. It, 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 and they weren't happy about it, but there's just more sort of um, validity there. So when I was working with my dad and sort of seeing how, how he conduct business, I, it's great, but I, I wanted to, to do something part of the mobile world. I wanted to um, get involved in, in, in into the mobile commerce. And how are they now? Uh, now they're they're proud. They're they're really proud of me and and Ralph. Um, they're you know more more happy than ever. I think you know it's it's one of those things where even if you're proven wrong. They're still really happy, you know. <laughs> right, right. Uh, they're, they're happy to get proved proven wrong, I guess. Well, you've said this uh, that in the beginning everyone is against you. What do you mean, and and why is that the case? When you tell someone a business idea or like a foreign concept, and it doesn't currently exist, like most of the time, people are they're thinking like logically like no like that's not not that hasn't been done before like why would someone use that and in the beginning i remember uh when i thought of the idea we wanted to get um just some some outside opinions like and i so we had one friend that was a really smart kid got like a full ride scholarship to like UPenn, like you know smart and we asked him we're like listen we have this idea um we want to roll out with it we want to get your thoughts and he was like no like that you no know, people are just going to go to the store. People are going to go to the smoke shop. Like I, I don't think it's a good business idea, honestly. So right. we were a little bummed, but we were just like, uh, you know, we're, we're we're running with this. We fully believe in it. Um, we think it's it's a valid business idea. What's the worst that's going to happen? We fail when we're twenty years old. You know, it, no, no one's going to remember us for failing when we're twenty years old. So right. you know, I think I think people are more scared of of failing and what that will look like. Uh, to you as a person as opposed to really wanting it bad enough, you know? Mm -hmm. They assume that you can't do it and, and and then other people might have the idea but as you said at the beginning, they don't – they do not execute. That's it. It's – do not – they don't want to make the move. They Like I said, they, they have the idea but they, they make like excuses or something right. like, oh, I don't have enough money for that or no, like – that company could just do it or this guy's going to steal my idea, you know, instead of actually just going to try something, you know? Right. Well, what were your first steps of execution? The first step was probably how do we get money for this business? Because um, our idea was let's um, let's buy some like stuff from China because 
we wanted to uh, we wanted to buy and control the inventory from day one. Like we wanted to make money on the products that we sold. So in that case, we had to buy it cheap. So mm-hmm. you know that's when my family friend uh, gave me a call and said, "I know you're trying to start this business, um, but one of my you know buddies is moving his whole office and he has a whole bunch of furniture." Um, that he's basically giving away for pennies on the dollar. Like, go take whatever you want for your new business. So when we got there, um, it was like four stories worth of office furniture. And he's like, yeah, take whatever you want. Um, we, we took we took it. We sold it on eBay, on Craigslist, and made, you know, some, some money off of it. And that's what, that was really like our seed round, and that's where we got capital to start it. And then the second thing that we had to do was find developers. So luckily, Raphael, my business partner, is Russian. So... We, when we were researching online, like outsourcing development company, like, yeah. that's literally what we Googled. Like, we, we had no idea what we were doing. And yeah. we, we found this company that built like some apps for like ESPN and McDonald's. And we we're like, wow, these guys are pretty credible. And luckily, Raf spoke Russian and development's all about the details. So he was, you know, for, fortunate enough that he was able to seamlessly communicate with them. So we were Skype calling with them at four in the morning every single day. So we would run, you know, run the full operation for 16 hours, and then every single night at four in the morning, when the business closed, because back then we weren't 24/7, uh, we would start skyping with the developers for like three, four hours. So I mean, a lot of it was just figuring it out yourself, you know, researching and like just trying trial and error, really. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Are you doing a lot of holiday shopping on your mobile device? Retailers expect 54% of holiday shoppers to visit their sites from mobile devices. Scammers see this as an opportunity to steal your credit card information and other personal data by distributing phony retail apps. Be cautious and only download apps from reputable app stores and read reviews for any complaints about malware. One in four people have experienced identity theft. If you're only monitoring your credit, your identity can still be stolen in ways you may not detect. Thieves could sell your information on the dark web or get an online payday loan in your name. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats. If you have a problem, U.S.-based restoration specialists will work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. LifeLock can uncover threats that you might miss. Join now and get 10% off with the promo code Forbes. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or go to LifeLock.com and use the promo code Forbes. That's Forbes to save 10% right now. You were doing every aspect of the job back then, right? You were literally delivering. We were de- doing the deliveries. We were we had the toll free number to get transferred to our cell phone. So <laughs> if a customer complained, like we might be in class, literally in class, and a customer would complain about something, or someone from the media would call, like, right? Whatever, want to do an interview? Like we would just You'd pick answer. up the phone, yeah. and pretend. Yeah, we would pretend like we were much bigger of a company. We didn't want people to be like. Oh, like a guy, just a random guy just picks up the phone every time yeah. it's the same person. So a lot of times I would have to like change my voice or like literally like say, oh yeah, you can speak to my supervisor about something and I would pass right. the phone to Ralph. Oh my and, God. And you know, we, we were doing all sorts of things in the beginning because that we had to just do it ourselves. You know? In the beginning, I mean, even based on the description of some of the items you have on the site, in the beginning, what were the hours? So... The beginning was 
12 p.m. until 4 in the morning. And it's really aimed at people who are, correct me if I'm wrong, but people who are kind of like going out, about to going out, uh, just coming back from going out and really don't want to go to the store and need like uh, a drink or some chips or do something like that? No, you're right. I mean, I think it starts with that though. It doesn't end with that. Right. That's how the business really got started. But now um, – you know, we sell a lot of different categories. Like, for example, we're the number one seller of ice cream in Philadelphia. Right. We're the number one seller of beer in Philadelphia. Um, we sell a lot of interesting products where people are not just using us when they want to go out or when they come back home. It's becoming a day to day thing. And our average basket size is uh, four times the average of a convenience store, and we sell yeah. the same goods. And also, people are going to go pop more frequently than they go to their local convenience store, which means they're spending more and they're coming more often, which shows you that um, we're just creating a lot of convenience for people in their life. So right. again, it's it's all aspects of, of uh, use cases, not, not just for those reasons. That's how we started, yeah. Right. But it has evolved to becoming a part of people's life. Well, that's not an unreasonable correlation, though, that the people that are getting ice cream and beer are the people that don't want to walk to the store. Right. Yeah, you're right. At what point did you start scaling up and using the template? And did, was it like a Facebook where you went to different schools or did you branch outside? Yeah. So a great question. So we only expanded to the second market, which was Boston, um, about seven and a half to eight months after Philadelphia was launched. Boston because of so all the schools? Was yeah. So Boston because – Big college town. Yeah. We wanted to go after the college demographic, like like you said, and we realized that that's who was using our service. That that's who loved to go up. They were the people that were spreading the word. You know, they were the ones telling all their friends about the service. And college kids is, you know, getting into the college uh, market is the best way for something to really go viral because you're always with people. I mean, I, I remember when I was in college, you're always with your friends. Yeah. So you use a service. You, you order Ben and Jerry's ice cream. You know, and you get it in 20 minutes. You know, you're you're like, how did this come so fast? You got to tell all your friends. So Boston was the second market. Uh, of how, that's how we did it. And it's a the delivery fee is a buck ninety five, right? It was. What is it now? No, it still is. Still is. Still buck ninety five. Unless the yeah, order's yeah. over fifty bucks. Exactly, free delivery over fifty bucks. Yep. Okay, so the real thing is time. Speed is the thing. Speed is the name of the game. Speed is the name of the game. Okay, and who are your biggest competitors right now? So, I would really tell you it's the convenience stores. I mean, it's someone making the decision: Do I go to the convenience store or do I use GoPuff? That's really the fundamental decision that someone needs to make, and that's where we view our, our big competition. Because, like, I'll give you an analogy of like ice cream. So. In the winter time, in the convenience industry, ice cream drops significantly in the winter. Right. For GoPuff, ice cream tremendously increases. Like we outsell ice cream like three to one, and then in a lot of different other, a lot of different times in the year. Right. And it's because people still want ice cream; they just don't want to go out and get it because it's cold outside or whatever the reason is. And so we're increasing the market size. So we're picking up customers that. Mm -hmm. Maybe they would have gone to the community or maybe they would never have gone. That's what we really view our big competition. And where are you finding the drivers? 
So people are applying on our website. So you can apply to be a driver on the website. Uh, we also use a lot of the recruiting platforms like Indeed or Craigslist, stuff like that. But but it's predominantly coming from the website. So a lot of times customers want to be drivers um, because they come to a central location as opposed to like an Uber working for Uber or for like Lyft or whatever where you're, you have people in your car, you have – you're doing only one delivery at a time or one person at a time. And so GoBub is, we batch orders together. So um, drivers can fulfill more deliveries per hour with GoPuff and, for example, other platforms. So, you know, they tend to stick around very, very often. So the drivers kind of claim a certain space. Yeah. And yeah, you've raised, correct me if I'm wrong, over $8 million since you since you yeah. founded this? Yep. And that's from Anthos Capital? Yep. Okay. And so how are the, how is the revenue stream working with you right now? Um, you know, we're tripling year over year in revenue, um, growing over 300% a year for the last three years, um, growing, you know, really fast. Uh, we're in 24 markets today. We want to be in 50 markets by this time next year. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's scaling really, really fast. And are you doing any kind of traditional marketing for GoPuff anywhere, using social media in any kind of innovative way? Yeah. So marketing is one of our biggest departments. So we have a content team um, that produces everything in-house, any videos, any advertisements. So it's all within our brand voice. So we're really invested in marketing. So – you have a team about 12 people right now running, you know, content and they're, that's what their job is, is creating, you know, new ads or just, just content for our customers to enjoy. So like Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, if you go on to, to any of those platforms, we're releasing content on a daily basis. And even like Snapchat, we have thousands and thousands of people viewing our Snapchat story, like just customers because they, they like our brand. They, they have an emotional attachment to the brand. That's, that's a big thing also about our company is we create a great relationship with our customers. Like they don't look at us as this, like this delivery app. They look at us as like their best friend, like GoPuff saves the day. It's always there for me. And like the, the way people describe us is, is very emotional and not, not not just like a business transaction. I think that's really important to note um, because it's for us. It's all about um, our customers and our relationship with our customers. And you, you, I, this is something Raphael said. So you'll have to um, you know feel free to comment on this however you like. He said the real money starts coming in when you start focusing on brands. How are you? How are you guys focusing on or working with brands right now? That's been a really interesting side of the business. So, I'll tell you sort of how how it was developed. So we had a lot of big brands like that you can imagine, like some of the biggest brands in the world, right? That we sell, like consumer packaged goods, and they were reaching out to us and and they said, "We see you're selling our products, uh, but we want to get more involved with GoPuff and the platform because we see." you guys are like a hub for millennials and for college kids. Like we are having trouble getting in front of that audience. Like let's find a way to work together. So like, okay, um, let's see what we can do. And, and me and my, my partner were really busy focusing on the consumer side of the business that we, we put them a little bit on the back burner. We were like, Hey, we're trying to get more customers. Like we're growing into new markets. Like we're not Mm -hmm. really thinking about partnerships right now, but 
you know, there happened to be one partner that we really liked, one of the guys there, and like, okay, let's run like a, a pilot together. Let's just see what this is like to work together. So we changed the category image um, into the products that this brand owned. Like, for example, the drinks category was all owned by the CPG, and we just switched the products um, to be, you know, owned by, by that CPG. And we saw a huge sales increase. And then we said, okay, what if we move products from the middle of a, a subcategory to the top of a subcategory? So, you know, we call it like virtual shelf space. And then we said, um, we can offer deals for customers for specific, you know, ice cream or laundry detergent or whatever CPGs really want to push. They can pay us to, to influence sort of purchasing behavior. Mm -hmm. um, but in, 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 we only do it for products that people actually like. Like, we're not like, if you go on our app, I mean, these are popular products, up and coming brands, not some random, you know, low selling item. So it's, it's all in the interest of our customer. But the, the most interesting part about it is we have really interesting data um, on the customers. Like, for example, I could say, um, I'm just using a random example, like Dr. Pepper. This cherry, cherry flavor is really popular in this college campus at this time in the day right. when someone buys Pringles. Right. So the access to the data we have is really interesting because it's really hard to get any data on the convenience space as a whole. And so we, we become a data source for a lot of big CPGs. And then the last thing I'll say about the data business and the brand business is that we created something called Sampling 2.0. So it's a proprietary sampling technology that hyper-targets samples based on demographics. So you order, um, you know, for example, Red Bull, um, and, and I want to sample a Red Bull to someone that has purchased a energy drink before but hasn't purchased one within the past 30 days. So they could technically pay us per sample, and then I can give them conversion rates and say, okay, in 30 days, I gave 100,000 Red Bulls to customers, and I've converted X amount of samples. So then I could actually tell them what their what their uh, ROI is on giving out mm -hmm. a sample, as opposed to now, as you see Red Bull or all these big companies, they just partner with agencies. They get in front of in front of college campuses, and they say, "Here you go. Here's here's free stuff." Right. 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 And they don't know. They don't know what they're getting out of it. It's like, oh, I gave a million samples. So I'm like, okay, what did you get out of that? And they have no idea. Um, so with us, is it's all it's all data driven results. And we'll be right back after this quick break. This Forbes Under Thirty podcast, and the following message comes from Amica Insurance. We're living in the age of the discerning shopper, when savvy consumers increasingly favor brands that value authenticity, ethics, and a great shopping experience. Amica is committed to being a company people trust. Visit meetamica.com/forbes and find out why 95% of Amica customers with combined auto and home policies stay with them. One more time, that's meetamica.com. Forbes to find out more about Amica Insurance. Hi, this is Ben Dominich, the host of the Federalist Radio Hour. We're a daily show coming to you five days a week from Washington, D.C., where we interview our nation's top journalists, politicians, authors, chefs, economists, entertainers, and more. If you're looking for a contrarian discussion on news, politics, or culture, give us a listen and subscribe at podcastone.com, the new Podcast One app, or at Apple Podcasts. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your garden growing. 
We do it right, too, with incredible deals during our spring Black Friday sale, like 19-ounce Bonnie vegetable and herb plants, four for $10. And pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch in store only for just $10. Whatever's on your list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417 while supplies last. Not valid in Alaska or Hawaii. Scott's offer valid in store only. See store for details, U.S. only. That That is fascinating, and you can see how that would be popular with the most coveted demographic, which you're reaching. How has it been the partnership with you and Raphael over the years? How has it changed? How has it grown stronger? And have there been any difficulties? Yeah, so it's been a, a really fun ride. I wouldn't have wanted to, to do this ride with anyone else. Um, and it's it's definitely changed from, from the standpoint of, in the beginning, we were both doing everything. Like, there wasn't any – I don't remember any situation where it's like, okay, Ralph, you're going to focus on that. I'm only going to focus on this. And like, like this is our separation of duties. It, it was more – I mean he, he you know, sort of took on the tech role because he was speaking to the developers. But aside from the tech role, it was like we're just, we, we just did whatever needed to get done. Uh, but now as the business grew you know, much bigger, we're 250 employees now um, and – you know, the, the game is changed. You know, we have to have more of, you know, I'm dealing with this and, and I own this and he owns that because the way to, you know, the only way to grow, you really need a, to have people accountable. Um, so, you know, naturally, um, that's just how the business evolved. But it's, it's just, it just been different. It's been great. Um, it's just been like different. We just have to be more, um, you know, more in communication on right. who's owning what all the way through. And Basically. have you experienced any challenges? I mean, it's really fun in the beginning. It's, it's exhilarating. You're selling furniture. You're running on adrenaline. You're, mm-hmm. you're considering dropping out of school. You're dropping out of school. And then at some point, you fast forward to you managing a few hundred people and figuring mm-hmm. out an HR department and figuring out how benefits and everything like that. Is there ever a part where you're like, you know, I didn't get into this to be a manager? <laughs> Listen, I... I that, that that thought definitely crossed my mind before. It's like, wow, like what I'm doing now is so different. But I feel like like I've grown with the organization so much. Like if you – the kind of person I am now than the person I was two, three years ago, completely, completely different. Like much more process-driven about how do you scale. I think about systems like – Will this work if we're in 200 markets? Like thinking really big mm-hmm. is so different than what I was thinking about before. Before it was like, how do I even have money to pay for my first employee? How do I, what what do I even sell? You know, how do I, how do I, like you said, how do I um, get benefits? Like what, what do I do for payroll? Like, right. It's like now it's like things that are so obvious to me. Um, but it, it's fun though. It, it's, you know, I, I enjoy it too because you, you surround yourself with really, really smart people and now it's like managing people that are like 45 or whatever. Aside from age, just like really, really experienced in their specific industry. So the fun part for me and Ralph has been like learning from these like experts in their field and it's been great to learn from them. Not It's it's not a kind of thing where, you know, they're, I'm, I'm really t- – I'm not spoon-feeding them or anything. I mean I – I tell them these are the initiatives. This is why I argue this is what needs to get done. But like, you go out and do it. You know, we we have the the management um, style where it's like 
we give you the tools, but we're expecting you to be a self-starter. We're expecting you to be an entrepreneur in your own way. Like, I'm, we're not spoon-feeding you here. You got to know what team you. You got to know who the person you're going to hire is. You got to give us a playbook to what you're going to do. But learning from how these people solve problems, and that's been fun for me. You know, scaling with the organization, and and then even bringing on like advisors that have scaled multi-billion-dollar companies, like the CEO of Five Below, is one of our really really close mentors, um, and he's a he's in Philly, and we're with him a few days a week, um, and we learn a lot from him. So. You know, we put ourselves in the position. We're fortunate enough to, yeah, we're really young, but to surround ourselves with people that have scaled tremendous organizations and learn from other people's mistakes. We're very like hungry and eager to learn. We're not the kind of guys that are like, oh, well, I built this business, so this is only going my way. Like that. That's just not. That's not sort of the mentality we have. And you have to be changing with the media being what it right. is right now. You have to be changing, right? You have to be iterative. Mm-hmm. Have to be, yeah. There's there's no other way around it. We everybody who listens to the show, I think, enjoys hearing about different setbacks. So, what were some insurmountable obstacles that were in your way that you had to clear, and and how did you do it? Um, I think the biggest obstacle that I had to clear was something that came probably a year ago, which which was separating between loyalty and like high performers you know because (laughs) like a good one you have people that have been with you from day one you have people that put everything for this business you know that were it it with us in the warehouse that were you know helping us scrap money together or whatever and as it grew with the organization that they couldn't keep up with the scale and they also weren't like weren't necessarily happy or whatever the, the, the you know the situation. There was a falling out. I think like making the decision to say like this is you know maybe not the right person for the role, and I have to replace or put someone else in that role um, that is is a, would be a better performer in that specific role, or maybe I can move this person around and put him here, whatever the situation is. But like really kind of changing our perspective on like yeah loyalty or we preach loyalty, of course, but it's easy to get stuck to say like, okay, that was the first guy here, so like, he's going to be the the highest person in the company, right. you know, because just they're not necessarily the the right decision all the time. So, kind of like being less, you know, I, I guess be just making those tough decisions where it's really hard um, to make. Getting over that hump has been sort of some you know some challenging moments for us. And finally, you know, I'm sure entrepreneurs come up to you all the time and say, hey, I have an idea. Do you have any advice? And, and you probably speak to groups of people, probably at your old school. Um, yeah. what is the, what's the most uh, frequent advice you find yourself dishing out or, or maybe the most common question that you're asked? So the way I answer like it is if someone asks me which is the most common question um, – I had this business idea. I've been doing market research. You know, what do you think? I really want to start this. Um, I mean, first, I would say make sure it, you're solving a legitimate use case, and I would say make sure you're monetizing a sitting asset. You know, like something that you can create a value proposition for the customer that can also make money. It can't just be one. It can't just be Oh, this is only going to make someone's life easier. You, it also needs to 
uh, and also needs to make money somehow, um, because, or else it won't be sustainable. And and then two, I would say you have now is is has been the is, is a bit, there's never been a better time than now to start a business, in my opinion, in, in the sense of like where we are today, and especially if you're younger, like if you're in college, or even if you're at, right out of college, you're a young professional, like now you can take the risks because there's a lot of venture capitalists out there that will fund a lot of founders. And that's the thing. Like I think most VCs fund founders more than they fund ideas, you know? And like if you're hungry enough and you have a decent business idea, I mean it can't be a crappy one, um, <laughs> then – then you can go out and be successful, but you have to want it more than anyone else. You know, you have to work harder than everyone else. You can't, you can't be half in, half out. So you need the full commitment. So I would say, like, don't be afraid of failing. Um, you know, fail fast, but don't be afraid of it. That's I think that's the number one reason why people don't get their things off the ground is they're like, oh, I don't, I'm nervous of what he's going to think about me. If right. they don't say this out loud, but they like. I'm, you know, what is he going to think if I failed? I'm going to look like a failure. I'm going to look like a failure. Well, you know, go out and, and try, you know. Or, You're or in the game. You're you in the game. 100% of the shots you don't take. That's great. Here, finally, is there is there anything you're not doing right now that you'd like to be doing? And when you think big picture of where you want to be, uh, what do you see? I mean, I want to be growing faster. I want to be growing into more locations, um, which is what, you know, we're doing. And we, we have a big plan for 2018. But... I would say the the only thing that frustrates me sometimes is like I we have tens of thousands of people that are going on to GoPuff every day that are requesting us in you know all these specific markets whatever it is whether it's a college town or it's a major market and they're they're tweeting at us hey GoPuff go come here come here yeah. and you know it's frustrating where it's like you have customers that really want to use you but they're they're not we're not operating there yet so it's like pushing my team and making sure that we're moving fast enough to meet customer demand. Um, so that's just one thing that, you know, been really focused on and, and that's why we've, we have a really aggressive, um, expansion, you know, campaign in the next year or two. All right. Yakir, well, thank you for spending so much time with us. It's been interesting. We'll be keeping up with GoPuff and we're waiting, uh, for you to come <laughs> to Beverly Hills because, uh, I, I'm telling you, I would have ordered several <laughs> pints of ice cream right now. Um, and I'd be curled up in the fetal position, but but I would be doing it. So thank you. Awesome. And uh, yeah, th- thanks for your time. Yeah, yeah. Good yeah, luck with everything. That's it for this episode of Forbes Under 30. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to reach out to us with a comment or question, please do so at under 30. That's the number 30 at podcastone.com. Hey, it's Adam Carolla. Now, if you're hearing my voice, it means you like podcasting. And if you like podcasting, well, then you're going to love my show. Lots of funny segments, good bits, great guests, and of course, moi. That's Mexican for me. So, check it out at Podcast One, iTunes, or wherever you, you listen to find podcasts. The Adam Carolla Show. Throw it on your phone. It's free. 
Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only. At the border, I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.